Interesting. Something like that. So, um, are you ready? And we'll see. (laughs) Um, I want to share with you this morning about the God who delivers you to torture and torment. Do I have your attention? I want to talk to you about our God, Yahweh, who delivers us to torture and torment. It's not maybe what you expected this morning, I, uh, I'm thinking. But that's what it says in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus actually says in Matthew chapter 18, so will my Father do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, which is the parable of the unmerciful servant, okay? And the so will my Father do to you what comes right before that is, is a story. And some of you are probably familiar with this story. You've, you've read it or you've heard it. But the basic idea of the story is it's a parable. So Jesus is teaching you know, an earthly story, but it's revealing a kingdom principle. It's revealing how it is. And what he says is, hey, there's this, there's this guy. And he owes the king a lot of jack. A lot, bags of gold. He owes him big time. He's got an enormous debt. He's got a multi-million dollar debt, let's say. And so the king brings him in, and the king is going to collect on what this man owes him. And the man cries out for mercy because the way the king is going to do that is to sell the man's stuff, imprison his family, you know, until this debt is paid. I mean, this guy is going to be in bad straits, emotionally, physically, financially, his relationships. I mean, it is going to be dark because he owes the king. And he cries out to the king, And the king, in the story, forgives this big debt. You remember the story? I mean, imagine that. You're threatened. I want you to personalize this for a moment. You're threatened with going to prison, being beaten, having your wife and children in in prison, everything you have sold, your reputation destroyed. I mean, really think about that for a moment. And the king forgives him. Ah. I mean, we celebrated last weekend, didn't we? The great passion of the Christ. I mean, I celebrated it, you celebrated it separately. We didn't do it together. But we celebrated this amazing king who brought that kind of forgiveness because we owed him a lot. I mean, he was owed. He, he, He was a king and he was owed. What was he owed? What was Jesus owed, by the way? And that's a question. I'd like answers. You know, I do things a little different, right? Like I actually want people to respond to questions that I ask, and I've got a little exercise for you to write out later, which will be a lot of fun, I'm sure. Um, but what, what, did, what was Jesus owed? Our life? Okay, what else? Huh? Our adoration. 
Yes, he was a king, right? God in flesh, wrapped in an earth suit. What else was he owed? Devotion. What else? Obedience. Worship. What else? Huh? Allegiance. Yeah. What else? He was owed a kingdom. Hmm. I like your thinking. What else? Pardon? He was owed belief. Trust. He was owed trust. Ooh. Yes. What else? Loyalty. We're getting there. What else was he owed? Honor. Honor. Yeah. I mean, he was with God in the beginning, right? Before the foundation of the world, they figured out he would go pay a price. And he did it. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself. And he became obedient, right? Oh. So what, is he, what was he owed? What else? Huh? Thanks. Praise. What else? He, what? Our death because of our sin. Interesting. Yeah. What else was he owed? Our lives. You get the picture. He was owed. He had a lot coming to him, didn't he? Come on. He left heaven. He put an earth suit on. He, he was sinless. He was spotless. He was the spotless lamb. Wrongly accused. He, he was owed justification. He was owed exoneration. He, he was innocent. He was owed to be delivered from, an, from a wrongful accusation. Wasn't he? I mean, he was, he, he was owed a throne, not a cross. Come on, that's who he was. That's what he deserved. That's what was coming to him, rightfully his. Right? And what did he do? He forgave that debt. He said, you know, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. I'll pay for it. I'll take care of it. Wow. Kind of like the king in the parable. Right? He says to the servant that owes him so much, he says, you know what? I'll take care of it. Go on your way. Your debt is released. It's covered. It's paid in full. Bam. Wow. Can you imagine if that was to happen? What, what would that feel like for that man just having been forgiven all of that? What would it feel like? Woo! Woo! Hard to find words exactly, but there's, right? Dancing, right? Like when we get saved and we have that, our debt gets paid and we have a new life. And this, this debt we could never pay except with our own death and separation from God, you know, has now been paid. And it's just like, wow. Wow. That's God's way. And Jesus is trying to communicate something. In Matthew chapter 18, he's trying to tell his followers, which include you and me, 
what his kingdom's like, how he rolls. And so he continues on in this story. And that one who is now free, debts forgiven, paid in full, goes out on the street. And he finds somebody that owes him $10, let's say. That's not exact. Okay. Owes him, owes him a few bucks. And what does the guy do to this one who owes him a few bucks? Remember the story? What does he do? You were saying? I heard somebody over here. He does exactly what the king was going to do to him. Right? I mean, like he, he throws him in jail. He threatens him. And he says, listen, you're going to jail until you pay me back. Wow. He's been forgiven a great debt, but this, this little debt comes up. And here's, it's important to note in this story that the guy did owe him $10. It was a, it was a legitimate debt in the story, you know, or a righteous debt. It was, 10 bu- it was a few bucks, but the guy owed him a few bucks. It wasn't made up. So, you know the story, right? The word gets out, and the king hears. And the king is troubled by this. And what does he do? He goes and gets this guy that, that he's forgiven and now threw another man in jail, and he brings him before him. And he said, what, what are you doing? Right? What have you done? And the king does something. This is one of the, I'm, I'm telling you, this is one of the scariest, so, most sobering parts of the Gospels to me. It's, it hit me this hard last fall. He says, in the, in the parable, he says, you know, or he has him thrown and delivered to the torturers, to the tormentors. And then Jesus says, so will my heavenly Father do to you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. I'm not sure there's anywhere else in Scripture that it's that clear, that pointed, that scary. God will deliver you to the tormentors and torturers. Our good God that we praise and love, whose name is Yahweh, Jesus says, let me get it just exactly right here because this is, we don't want to mess around with it. He delivered him over to the jailers to be tortured. Some translations say tormented to the tormentors until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. We don't much preach about the God who delivers us to torture and torment. But that's our same God that forgives us and loves us and sets us free and paid our debts. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because last fall, I, I, was, I was in some ways tormented, tortured. I was in some relationships, some key relationships. Some people had made promises to me. And I had this expectation that they would keep their word. I don't know, maybe that's just silly, but that's how I roll. People's word, their promises, their commitments, their agreements, they really matter to me. It was a righteous debt in my mind. They owed me keeping their word, right? It didn't seem like that was out of line, unreasonable. 
righteous or not, legitimate or not, because I held that, I was holding that debt so tightly, I was the one being tortured. Emotionally, their name would come up and it would twist inside me. You know, people would ask me what I thought about them, and I would really have to work not to gossip, not to say something negative, to give a good report, right? I'm just being real open and honest. Is this okay? Can you handle? Can everybody handle this? Handle it or not? I mean, this this what was going on for me, and and it was really it was eating at me inside. So I sat down with one of my spiritual fathers one afternoon. And I was just telling him about some of this. And he said to me, Randy, you have to learn to love without hooks. I said, what? <laughs> he said, you have to learn to love without hooks. And we spent a few hours. And he was just sharing with me how when we love people, if we have expectations of anything, strings, hooks, It's not unconditional love. And the way for you, Randy, to be free and have peace is to cut all the barbs off those hooks, take them out, and don't expect things. Don't keep debts. Don't stay in a place of what people owe you in your heart. You owe me, right? And I, I, okay, thanks, you know, thanks, Leif. Thank you. Bless you. I went home, that was a Friday. On Monday, I canceled all my calls, moved all my appointments, and I spent about the whole day and part of the next day with the Lord, just going after this thing. And the Lord led me through a series of questions that I'm going to lead you through in a few minutes. And when I, when I went through these questions, like you're going to have the opportunity to, I began to see so clearly all the things I was expecting, demanding, debts I was keeping on the books of my heart that people owed me. I, I wasn't aware of it, right? You know, you know this, the whole thing I work on, character genetics, is all of the subconscious heart stuff, the hidden part, right? It was down in there, not in my awareness, but underneath the, the waterline of my awareness was the big bunch of the iceberg, not just the tip. And this big iceberg had books, and it had accounts, and it had expectations inside my own heart of what people owed me and what they weren't giving me and where they were falling short and what I deserved. I'm just being honest. This is what I began to see. And so I went through a process with the Lord of getting clear on that and what it was costing and what that was doing to me mostly and others, and then to remedy it. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment to walk through that with me. Before I do that, I want to just mention briefly one of the one of the I call it a program. I call it a self-destructive program. That's really common that runs through our uh, runs through our minds, hearts, lives, actions, especially in our, our you want to say it our old man way of thinking or our human way of thinking. It's a program, it's self-destructive. I call it the oh no. O O O H. N-O, the O-No program. All the words start with O. And I'm giving this to you because I'd like you to be able to recognize when you get in this program. Because probably you get in this program on, on a regular basis. Maybe even today already. 
I don't know, let's see. First thing, first program, the first way this, this underneath, right, emotional, mental, physical, spirit program inside, internally starts with is offense, right? Offense. We get offended. I'm going to defi- define offense this way. An offense is any negative emotional response to something we think was said or done. And any negative emotional response to something we think was said, it doesn't even have to actually happen, but if we think it happens and I have a negative emotional response, I can get offended by it. Offense, okay? How many of you in here understand what I'm talking about and can, can bring to your mind a time, maybe even recently, when you've been offended? You had a negative emotional response by something you think was said or done. If I do this, it means raise your hand as like I can see. Okay. All right. So you're in touch with that, right? If at that moment, as soon as that negative emotional response comes, if we don't intervene there at that point, the rest of the program will run, and it, sometimes it will run very quickly. Okay? And here's what the next step is in that program. There's a negative emotional response. Here's step two. I call it opposition, O-P-P, right? Opposition. I define opposition this way. Let me get the word right here so I don't freelance it. Putting up a wall or cutting off communication. Opposition, I'm defining it this way. Putting up a wall or cutting off communication. If I don't intervene at this moment when I'm offended, I'm having this negative emotional response. I may be offended. I may be discouraged. I may be angry. I may be upset. I may feel disrespected. I may feel rejected. I may feel left out, not accepted, not appreciated. Right? I may feel misunderstood. I may f- all those negative emotional responses. Right? I may, may feel wrongly accused. If I don't intervene there, the next thing that tends to happen is the putting up of a wall or the breaking off of communication. How many of you can relate to what I'm talking about? Avoidance, denial, I'm not answering their phone calls, I'm not going to the same places where they are, I'm not giving the time and attention likely to you know, resolve it necessarily, I'm looking for ways to distance myself. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Let me see those hands again. Okay, Opposition. We can do that in a whole lot of different ways. But the essence of it is I'm putting walls, I'm putting space, I'm putting distance between that, those, those who offended me and myself. Most likely to self-protect, but I'm putting up distance. I'm not, no longer connected, no longer unified no longer in agreement I'm putting distance okay and that's a big cost because God commands a blessing where people live in unity that's a big deal an atmosphere and environment where God is commanding a blessing is a really big deal it'll take us as a corporate farther than we could ever go alone by far exponentially Losing agreement is really costly. Because how can two walk together unless they agree? 
Can't. That's right, a rhetorical question. Can't. And so we go our own separate ways in any number of ways. We put up walls. We break off communication. It's not far usually, sometimes even instantly, where the third part of this, oh no, program runs. And the third part is onslaught. Onslaught. Define this way, any attempt to get even. Any attempt to get even. So we can go from a negative emotional response to putting up a wall and cutting off communication to an attempt to get even. How many of you know that can happen pretty fast sometimes? Wow! Maybe sometimes a little more meditated, right? Brought out. What kinds of things, by the way, do we do to get even? I'd like to hear some. What, when, when we're offended... And, you know, there's the little pushback. There's really, really some honest, transparent folks here willing to, to share the common human experience. I'm going to share some pretty uh, vulnerable things with you here in a moment, too, as we process through this. What kinds of things do we do to get even? Stonewall. Stonewall. Yeah. Gossip. What else? Sarcastic. Sarcastic. Belittle. Belittle. Condescend. Yes. What else? What? Hide their things. Right? Cause it, yes. What else? Murder. I mean, eventually. Yeah, what else? Physical harm. What else? Exclude. Separate. What else? Lying. Is that what you said? Be lying. Malign, thank you. Maligning. Eventually, in many cases, lawsuits, divorces, wars. I mean, that's where this goes. I often wonder, you know, first church, second, third church, or third church, fourth church, fifth church. I mean, what, what's, go, what's going on in there? Could there be any reflection of this program in, in that sort of thing, right? How, are, how do you know if you're in this program with somebody? How do you know where you're at? Here's a couple of clues. If you find yourself avoiding or doing any of the things we mentioned, you're in the program. If you're keeping files, you're keeping accounts about all of the things that other people are doing, you're keeping records, right? You're building evidence, right? You're in this program. Whether that's an employer or somebody in the city or somebody in your house or somebody at work or the president or whatever, you're in this program. Here's the thing about this program. It's self-destructive. If you're in it, you're the one suffering from it. And if you're in it, God is willing and able and committed to deliver you to torturers and tormentors until you get it straightened out. Anybody motivated? <laughs> I don't know about you, that motivates me. I think 
a powerful, almighty, good God who's willing to go to that extreme to say, I do not do things this way. There's penalties and prices and consequences to live this way. I'm not willing to allow any other treatment of this than, than torture and torment. That's a serious thing. I'm not sure how many other things he does that way. That's not my point this morning, but he's, he's highlighted this one. So you ready to do some work on yourself? Because I'd like to be able to give you some tools to get out of this program. Because if you're in it, it's hurting you. It's hurting those around you. And God is ready and willing to back it up with more hurt. And at least allow it. So it's important to get out of it, isn't it? Isn't it? All right, so ushers, we've got papers and pens. If we could get those handed out. You're going to be able to keep these papers. I'm not going to collect them. I'm not going to ask you to share them. You know, they're yours. They're for you. If you need pens, uh, you need to let them know as well. Hurry, guys. If we could do it real quick, that'd be great. Thank you. Appreciate your help. So that weekend last fall, after I talked with my spiritual papa, I went, canceled my appointments, booked out the day and got with God. And here's where I started in this process with him. This is how I started, okay? And this is, I'm gonna, I'd like you to write this question down so you have it for the future. But I'm also going to ask you to take a few moments and reflect on it and answer it. The really bold and courageous ones who don't want to be tortured, <laughs> you'll actually write, it, write stuff down in response. Some of you will decide, yeah, well, maybe I'll get to it later, and that's okay. But just know what you're in for. <laughs> okay? Here's the first question, the first reflection that I made that day. Here it is. I said, Holy Spirit, please show me who I have expectations on or entitlements with or who or feel that they owe me. Holy Spirit, please show me who I have expectations on, who I'm, who I'm keeping debts, right? What are the names of the people that I'm keeping books on inside that they owe me something? And I wrote their names down. And so we're going to just do that prayerfully. Has everybody got a pen and paper? Anybody need, you need one yet? Wave if you need one yet. Okay, we're covered. So here we're going to pray. I'm going to give you a moment to reflect and write a few names. It's not a race. It's not about getting the most names on the list. But the ones Holy Spirit shows you, just write them down. Holy Spirit, we love you. You search all things. You know all things. You know our hearts better than we do. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, what are the names of those that we have and we're holding expectations or debts on or if we feel like they owe us show us their names now holy spirit thank you go ahead and listen and write them down any name that comes to mind write it down even if you're not really aware that you may hold something anybody that comes to mind write it down
By the way, it might even be yourself. And it might be God. You and God can make your list. Here's the next question. Holy Spirit, what expectations or debts do I have on these people? Or what do I think they owe me? Or what do I think I'm entitled to from them? Once again, here it is. What expectations or debts do I have on these people? What do I think they owe me? So we pray, Holy Spirit, show us in our own individual hearts and places, God. What are the debts? What are the expectations and entitlements that we're expecting from other people? On the list that you just showed us above. Show us, Lord. Just write it down. Look at their names. Ask the Holy Spirit. And write down what He begins to show you. While you're writing, I'll give you some of the things I discovered that might trigger something for you. I looked at my list and this is what came up for me that I was expecting. I expect so-and-so to follow through with their word or their commitments. Now these can be righteous debts or not. It doesn't really matter. If I'm holding it against somebody, the effect on me is the same. I expected them. I, I felt like I was owed respect. I felt like I was owed inclusion. I was owed pursuit. I was owed collaboration. I was owed, you know, having my needs met. Having affection and honor and respect. I was expecting and felt owed honor, doors of opportunity, invitations finances, value, worth. I felt like I was old timely and consistent responses to communication. This was what came up. What are you wanting from them that they're not giving you? 
might be another way of thinking about it. Okay? Next question. What am I expecting of myself? Or what debts? I actually had this question. You know, what do I, what am I expecting? Or what do I feel like I owe myself? So that's your next one. Holy Spirit, show us what we're expecting. The debts that we're keeping against ourselves. Show us, Lord. This is something you're wanting and demanding of yourself that you're not giving yourself at this time. Some of you are staring at me like, what? Let me give you a few ideas, or at least what came to me. I put a demand and expect myself that I'd be the best that I would collaborate with influential people. I was putting that expectation on myself. That I have to have the answers. I have the expectation that um, I have to have, this is just what came up, a successful radio show, speaking keynotes, workshop company, marriage, family, author. And I expect all that without having to take the time and hard work to make it happen. I'm expecting that I can have it all right now. I was putting that demand on myself and I wasn't living up to it. So I was keeping a debt. Follow me? (laughs) Here's one. I had the expectation of myself that I could do what I want and have the outcomes that I want even if it just doesn't work that way. Here's the next question, and again, it's, Holy Spirit, show me, what am I expecting from God? What am I demanding from Him that He owes me? Show us, Lord, pray. What am I expecting or demanding from God? That he owes me. And I feel like I'm not getting it, right? That's the. Direction, provision. Open doors, opportunities, abundance. A couple more. We're almost done here for now. We're going to pray when we're done, of course. Have some ministry time perhaps later. Here's the next question, everybody. It's an important one. How do I feel? When I don't get what I think I'm owed, how do I feel when I don't get what I think I'm owed? So you look back up through your list now, 
And those things you're expecting, the things you're feeling owed, when you don't get them, how, what feelings are present? Just write down the feelings, how you feel when you don't get what you think you're owed. How's it feel? a pretty long list here keep keep working on yours but angry accusatory wanting to blame doubt fear a lot of fear fear of lack fear that it'll never happen fear it's offended but like trust was broken angry at myself angry at god angry powerless See, my spiritual father knew what he was talking about. He knew there's some things in my heart. Powerless in certain places. Here's another question. We're almost there. You're doing good work, I hope. What do you do? when you don't get what you want and feel owed? What actions do you take? How do you act? What behavior comes when you don't get what you feel you're owed? What actions, what behavior do you do when you don't get what you think you're owed? Withdraw, isolate, work harder, trust less, judge others, complain, stop dreaming, lower the bar. These were the three that really hit me as I saw in myself. I stop loving, I stop living, and I start dying. Those are my choices, by the way. Now, that might feel a little heavy. Maybe it doesn't. But I do want you to be aware today that if you are being, if you are being tormented or tortured or if there's just these things coming up in relationships with God or yourself or people at church or people at work, there's a way out. You can stop your own suffering and torture right now. Isn't that good news? I mean, like last week, Jesus went to the cross. He paid the debt. He, for, he forgave it all. He said, I got this. It's covered. It's done. None of this will be held against you. You're free. Amazing. And in the same way, you can be free, I can be free if I forgive the debt. Right? I say, it's covered. 
I release, and here's the key, I let it go. It's like taking a big eraser and just erasing all the books in my heart about what I'm expecting and demanding from my spouse or my pastor or my boss or my kids or my friends. Or my, right? I'm just erasing it. I'm just erasing it. It's gone. Just cleaning it up. The debt's covered. It's covered. It's covered. It's paid in full. I, and that's a scary thought, isn't it? Because we have this illusion that if I give that up, then I, I'll never get what I want. I mean, right now, at least I've got kind of power because I'm demanding these debts be paid and I feel like there's a chance they're going to get paid. But to just let them go, the, 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 I may never get what I really want or need. Ah, that's real. For me, uh, then I went to, well, I've just got to get back to trusting God and not people. Trusting Him. Staying clean with him. He's good. He's, he'll meet my needs. Why was I looking at people anyway to meet my needs? Why was, what, what was the wrong, right? He'll meet them. These debts, <sighs> flushed. I let them go. I don't expect. I just let it go. I've been falsely accused. You don't know. I've got to straighten this out. Let it go. No, things are not going the way I demand they go. Let it go. But then it won't ever get better. You might be surprised. When you let it go and you're not tortured anymore, and you trust God, things might just work out better than you ever expected. That's what's happened for me in the last, since, what was it, October, I think it was. What's so interesting Jonathan, I'm going to have you come in just a moment. I know we'll come back later to pray. Because I want to pray with you. If, if, this, if you're like, man, I want to do this, but you don't know. This, I need some help here to do this. Because you're very strongly hanging on. To, I want to pray with you today. And just help you in making that choice. And, and get God's help in making that choice. But there, There's one at the top of my list. I won't tell you their name. They're there at the top of my list. And it was, this was somebody that made some very clear promises, and, and I felt they were broke, broken. And it hurt, and it cost. It cost money, it cost time, reputation. It, it, I was hurt, and it cost. I did, dealt with this on a Monday afternoon, this one, right? It took me in, into the next day to get to some of the other ones. I dealt with this one on Monday afternoon. Tuesday morning, I got a phone call. Or no, Tuesday afternoon, 1 o'clock, I got a phone call. And this person that called me was praying and felt like that I was to fulfill a certain role with the person I had on the top of my list in the days to come that basically restored the whole promise that I was all ticked off about, that I was all bent out of shape about before, was now the next day. I got a call from an, a third party that said, hey, this, I was praying, and I think you're the guy. You're supposed to be with this person and do this thing. And that's now happened, and it is restored, and it is better than it ever was before. But that timing was no coincidence. That was at the top of my list. I dealt with it. I let it go. I just chose to trust God and get my own 
house in order because of all these expectations I had on people. And, and then God does it just a few hours later. It's not an accident. God's ways are better than our ways. He, he knows what we need. He's committed to meet our needs more than we are. So in a moment, we're going to come back. Uh, I just want to be able to pray for you. Listen, I know this might seem like a heavy thing. I actually hope that it can turn into a really joyful thing because to be free and have debts canceled is a very liberating, freeing experience. There's no way to live like that, free, liberated, debt-free, right? Free of torture, free of torment. Ah. Trusting that God is in charge. He'll make it right. He'll, take, he'll meet the need. He'll make it happen. I don't have to enforce my own debts. I don't have to be my own debt collector. Wow. So, Father, you're good. And I thank you for showing us a path to freedom. Showing us a path to unity. Showing us a path to agreement. Showing us a path, God, to... Uh, to freedom from torture and torment and life abundant. Thank you for that. Pray that this would resonate and take root and have fruit, Lord, as you continue to work with your sons and daughters in the moments and days and weeks ahead in these areas. Oh, God, thank you for paying our debts. Thank you for canceling them in full. Thank you for setting us free. Lord, we just choose to do the same for others today and for ourselves. That's your prayer with me. Say amen.